Once more, welcome everyone. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all of you on, in cafe joining us by audio and video podcast. We love you all. Thank you. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. Uh, one more message uh, in the series entitled One Tiny Seed. We're talking about faith. And I want to turn a corner this morning. So far we've been talking about uh, but basically, what is faith? Uh, and we've defined it in several ways from Hebrews chapter 11 and, uh, and other passages. One of the things I've said is that faith is seeking God with your actions and behavior. Uh, faith is seeking God with your actions and behavior. Yeah. You simply cannot take the issue of obedience out of what saving faith is, what, what faith actually is. It's not just something in your head or even something in your heart. Faith is seeking God, strongly seeking God, but we would say it's seeking God with your actions and behavior. From last week in the book of Romans, talking about uh, our, our father in the faith who is Abraham, faith is friendship with God. If we boiled it down to simply a few words, faith is friendship. It is, it is a relationship with a living God. And that's what I want us to talk about a, a, a bit today. There are many, many misconceptions about what faith is. Um, this is commencement season, and, and some of you have, have heard by now at least one, maybe more than one, graduation speech. And graduation speeches are sort of notorious for using faith language, but using faith language in ways that actually confuse people as to what faith actually is. And I want to talk about that today from Acts chapter 8. Faith is friendship with God. But in Acts chapter 8, we run across a man who totally misses, totally misses the point on what faith is, and, uh, and his end is not very happy. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 4, I'm going to now uh, wow you with the powers and the amazing story of a man named Simon the Magician in Scripture. I love this so much. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a magician. If I were not a pastor today, I would be sawing a lady in half somewhere in Vegas right now. Uh, I, I wanted to be a magician until I found out that it was all fake. My parents got me a TV magic kit one Christmas, and I thought, well, finally, you know, here's my life. And, and I opened it, and it was a book of tricks and a box of props, and there was no power in that box. And uh, that's when I learned uh, what Simon must learn in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Let's start right there. Believers were scattered, and they preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was great joy in the city. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Simon the Great. You get that? I mean, that's who he was. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. 
When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, so that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. All right, let's stop right there. Simon the Great meets Philip the deacon. Philip's the deacon. Now, in terms of New Testament, you know, shining stars, Philip's up there, but he's not the brightest star in the firmament, you understand? He's one of the deacons, but Philip goes, and and Philip preaches the the power of Jesus in a place called Samaria. It's really just sort of one of these stories tucked in before Saul, you know, becomes Paul and takes over the book of Acts. Philip, for this moment, has a, a, a moment of greatness, but Philip doesn't think of it as greatness. He thinks of it as faithfulness. Philip is just preaching the gospel, and whenever the gospel is preached, Jesus' name is lifted up and power starts breaking out. You understand? Because very, very simply, Jesus brings real power and true joy. Jesus brings real power and true joy. When Jesus' name is preached, evil spirits are cast out, screaming as they leave their victims. Many who have been paralyzed or lame were healed. You can tell these are just summary statements. These are examples of the kinds of things that happen when the power of Jesus breaks out. It's It's amazing. Now, I can't stop and preach this sermon here, but it just... It makes me sort of wonder why it is that when Jesus is preached around here, we don't see that kind of power. And for that matter, we don't see a a whole lot of joy on certain Sundays because Jesus brings real power and Jesus brings true joy. Whenever he is preached and whenever the message is believed, people get set free. And people get happy. Do you understand? Jesus makes a difference in people's lives. And this is how this story breaks out. The name of Jesus is preached and his power is unleashed. Jesus brings real power. Now, I can't say this enough. Jesus brings real power. I would go so far as to say all power in the universe is Jesus' power. Read the book of, just read the first chapter of the book of Colossians. He is supreme over all creation. He, Jesus is supreme. That means he comes first over everything. That means there is, there is no one higher. There is no power that is greater. There is no force in all of the universe that has anything over the power of Jesus. He and he alone is everything, the source of everything. He is power. His name is power. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he alone is Lord. I mean, you understand, Jesus is supreme over everything. 
And on planet Earth, we would say that the sun, the, the sun of the center of our solar system is the source of all power on Earth, and it literally is. If the sun were to go out, we, we, would, we would perish. There would be nothing alive on Earth. The sun is the source of everything for us. And in the way the sun is the source of all power on the Earth, understand Jesus is, is the morning star of creation. Jesus himself is the source of all power in, in all of creation in heaven and earth and under the earth. Jesus is first above everything. I don't know how to say that any stronger. Jesus is the only source of real power. Jesus is the only source of real power. Jesus brings real power and true joy. So Philip the deacon is just doing what deacons do. He's just doing what Christians do. In this particular point in church history, a great wave of persecution has scattered the believers. Now, that's awful. I mean, on the face of it, that's just horrible. It's persecution that's scattering the believers. Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And they all heard that, but they didn't move. I mean, they stood there for a while just looking up in the sky in the book of Acts, and then, and then they started sort of going to the temple, but they haven't gotten very far until Stephen was stoned and persecution breaks out, and now they have to run for their lives. On, on the face of it, it's horrible, but on the other side of that, this, this is how the gospel starts spreading. This is how Philip goes to Samaria with a gun to his head, but he goes. And once he's there, he just starts preaching. And the power of Jesus breaks out and true joy sweeps the city. Which brings us to a man called Simon the Magician. Simon the Great. Man, when he was in elementary school, you know, Wandy the Magician probably came and did a show, you know, in fifth grade or fourth grade. And he thought, wow, I want to be that. He he wanted that kind of power. You know, he wanted to sort of reach into an empty black hat and assure by it's empty and then, you know, pull out a rabbit, you know, and then stick the rabbit back in the hat, you know, and the rabbit's gone. He wanted that kind of power, you know, to bring out the pretty lady and put her in the box and then, you know, spin the box around and then <laughs> saw her in half, you know, and her feet are still giggling, you know, wiggling out there. You know, he wanted that kind of power. He did, you know, make doves, whew, you know, fly out of his sleeves. I mean, he wanted to do all of that. He wanted power. And so he did it for the longest time. Simon the Great, you know, was just kind of working Sumerian birthday parties and, and, and bar mitzvahs, that kind of thing. And, and then he got, he put some of his tricks on YouTube. And, and about the time Philip comes, he's been getting like a million hits on YouTube. And he's kind of becoming a household name. You know, if they ever had anything like, you know, Samaria's got talent, you know, Simon would have been all over that. You know, getting his name out there because he wants everybody to know or think he's somebody great. Simon the Magnificent, Simon the Great. So in this little village here, I mean, everybody knows Simon. I mean, Simon's always got a trick up his sleeve. I mean, he's always like, you know, pick a card. I mean, every time you see Simon down at Target, you know, he's like, pick a card. You know, I mean, all the time, this is what he does. People know him, everybody knows him, and they think of him as somebody great. I mean, they've never seen anything greater. So for the longest time that they called him, you know, Simon the Great One, the power of God. And that's that's kind of, you know, false advertising there, but they don't know any different. They just call him, man, he's awesome. Simon's great. He's got the power of God. 
What they don't know, he's Googling all those tricks. I mean, he's going like on the internet and pulling. I mean, it's all tricks. It's illusions. It's tricks. You know, he's got birds stuffed up in, you know, hidden pockets and rabbits and cards. I mean, he's just this walking illusion. It's, it's fake. It's all fake. Now, people don't necessarily know it's fake, but deep down inside, Simon knows it's fake. He knows he's fake. That's why he's always got to be looking for one better trick. I mean, he's always got to, you know, find a way to stick one more chicken down in his pants, you know, to, you know, surprise people at the Piggly Wiggly. I mean, he's always got to figure out a way, you know, to to raise the bar, to to make it more amazing because people get tired of your same old tricks. So Simon the Magician meets Philip the deacon. Philip has real power. Do you understand? Philip is not Googling tricks. So like, like, like how to pull, you know, like a feather out of a kid's ear. You know, not that. Philip's not doing that. He has real power from Jesus, the only source of real power. Simon's never seen anything like this. Ever. Ever. I mean, Simon knows fake, and he knows, he knows how to fool people, but he's never seen it. He knows that what Philip does is real. And I mean, so he just starts watching him like a hawk. He wants to figure out the secret. When Philip preaches in the name of Jesus, I mean, demons come screaming out of people, and, and Simon's never done anything like that. He's pulled rabbits out of hats. He has never pulled a demon out of a person screaming for real. Never done anything real like that. I mean, when, when Philip preaches, people who were crippled, lame from birth, they just stand up and walk. I mean, Simon's never done anything like that. He's twisted a balloon, you know, into a, into a dachshund puppy. But he's never made blind eyes, see? Jesus has real power. Simon's got nothing. Then Peter and John come down from Jerusalem to sort of wrap up the revival. And all of these people who have believed, all these people that have believed and were baptized, they receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, Peter prays and lays his hands on them, and they receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus brings real power, and now that power is in every single person that believes. Wow. Now, interestingly there, verse 13 says... Simon himself believed and was baptized. It's interesting. Notice how it says that. Verse 12, the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, many men and women were baptized. And then Simon himself believed and was baptized. Why is Simon sort of set to the side? We're given the report of of the, the big Sumerian revival here. And all the people that believe and are baptized, but Simon is sort of over here. And Simon, he walked the aisle too. Simon, he signed one of the preacher's cards that night too. Simon got baptized. He got baptized. When they put that booger under the water, birds were flying and cards were floating up. I mean, you know, he got baptized. Simon the magician, you know, cape and all, he got baptized. But he's different. It's different. He sat to the side. Everybody believes in baptized. Simon, he happened to him too. I would just say this. You can believe and not be saved. It happened to Simon. It's happened to some of you. I mean, we've been saying now for weeks, and I'm hoping eventually this will start sinking in. 
literal saving faith is more than just some sort of, you know, agreeing with the preacher in your head. It's much more than that. Now, Simon is very attracted to the things of God here. Simon is drawn to the power of God, and Simon is drawn in. But what happens to Simon here isn't really what happens to everybody else who believes, is baptized, and receives the Holy Spirit. Now, that's salvation. That, that's regular salvation. It's not just, you know, a premium kind of plan of salvation for people who want to tithe more. It's nothing like that. It's ordinary salvation. You believe, you're baptized, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your own life, and there's a difference. But see, Simon recognized, you know, he's a fake magician. He's a fake Christian too. I mean, Simon's faked his way through everything, and he doesn't really seem to understand that. That, that, that salvation is real. That this is real power. This is not a trick. This is real. I'm not sure he knows. I'm not sure he understands. Verse 18. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on other people, notice that, he offered them money to buy the power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they'll get the Holy Spirit. Now, earlier I said you could be, believe and not be saved. Some of you thinking, well, Pastor Tim, you don't know his heart. You don't know that man's heart. And you're right. I, mean, I don't know Simon's heart. I don't know what's up his sleeve. I don't know what's in his heart. I can't see everything about Simon, and I can't see everything about you either. And, and, and the Word talks about that. We, we can't look into a person's heart. Only God sees the heart. But Scripture says in, in multiple places, you, you can't really know a person by the heart because I can't see the heart. But it does say you can know them by, by, by their walk. You can know what people do. I can know something about your heart because what's in your heart always spills out of your mouth. And what's in your heart will always determine the path that you choose to walk. I mean, you can just watch the fruit of your life. You can know a tree by its fruit, the Scripture says. So you can always know people by what they do. So if you really want to know, is Simon a true Christian? Did he get saved like everybody else? You just watch and see what he does next. What's that dude do next? And the very next thing he does is he watches the Holy Spirit fall on everybody but him. But that doesn't strike him as odd. It doesn't really stop and ponder the fact that, that the others who take Jesus' name, the others who went through the waters of baptism, something happens to them that's real. But nothing happens with Simon. He's still empty as his magic top hat, and it's never crossed his mind to really wonder about that. He doesn't reach into his heart. He reaches into his pocket because that's what he's always done. He reaches into his pocket to buy this trick. Because, you know, magicians, they buy and sell tricks. I mean, just like my parents bought me the, the TV magic set with about, you know, 12 amazing tricks with the secrets and the props. I mean, they buy tricks. I mean, Google magic tricks. You, you can buy tricks this afternoon. I mean, and this is all Simon knows. If you pay the money, you can learn the secrets. 
So he really thinks that this is what can happen. He really thinks if he just offers the apostles some money, that they'll give him the secret and he'll be able to do that. He can add the Holy Spirit trick to his big, you know, big magic show at his next birthday party he's doing, you know, for third graders. He's just going to add the Holy Spirit to his own bag of tricks and he's going to continue to be somebody great, only now he's going to be greater. You, You understand you really can't look at Jesus and still see yourself as somebody great, but Simon does. Simon does. Well, you could say he does. Because this is what I'm saying. You can't really see Jesus. You can't look at Jesus. Do I need to go back to that whole first Colossians thing? Because I will. He's supreme over everything. He is first in everything. He is the only source of real power. And when you begin to see Jesus for who he is, it is no longer possible for you to still look in the mirror and think you're looking at something special. There is no way to know who Jesus is and not become a little clearer on who you are. But Simon still thinks he's somebody great. And if he can just know the secret of the Holy Spirit, if he can just get the power of God, if he can just get God, the Holy Spirit, and shove him down into the bottom of his magic hat, he thinks he's really going to be great now. What does Peter say in response? The New Living Translation kind of cleans it up for your grandma because you don't really want to know what Peter says there. He sort of tells Simon the magician and his money where they can go. Y'all know what I'm saying? Um, He tells them where to go with his money. Throughout church history, this story is used to talk about a particular kind of sin. It's called simony. It's, It's the sin of Simon. On the one hand, it's just to imagine that the things of God can be bought and sold. A whole lot of TV evangelists, I would say, are guilty of the sin of simony. They, they put the Holy Spirit up for sale. You make a donation, you give some money, and you can have these gifts. And, and understand, in Scripture, that this is a very serious sin. Peter tells Simon exactly where to go and take his money. But when it comes to matters of faith, I, I want you to pay attention to Simon here. Because I feel like the, the, the sin of Simon, the, 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 the mistake, the, the misperception that Simon makes on faith is the same kind of misperception that a lot of you make, a lot of people make in this world. N- notice, he, he's very drawn to the things of God. I mean, he's very impressed Simon seems always to be following the apostles around. I mean, he hasn't missed a single church service since Philip got to town. So he's very drawn to these matters of faith. He's very drawn to this God of power. He's very drawn to Jesus and the spirit of Jesus as he moves with with real power and true joy. I mean, Simon's drawn to all of that. And he wants it. Did you see that? He, He wants it. He wants everything that faith brings. He wants the power. He, he, wants, he wants what the apostles have. He seems to even want, he, he seems to even want that, that ability to lay his hands and, and, and let the Holy Spirit come down. He wants all of, of this. He wants the power. He wants the prestige. But, but he doesn't want Jesus. 
He doesn't want the Holy Spirit. He wants the Holy Spirit, you know, in the same way that he wants a white rabbit, you know, in the bottom of his, his, his top hat. He just wants the Holy Spirit as something that, that, he, can, that he can bring out when, when he needs to do a trick. He just wants the Holy Spirit like that under his control. And, and this is not how faith works. This is not at all how any of this works. Faith is not magic. I know when I say this, you think, well, Pastor Tim, I know faith isn't magic. I understand that faith isn't magic. I'm not sure that you do. Because when you listen to a lot of people talk about faith, they speak about faith as if faith itself is magic. In other words, they talk about, you know, I guess I need to have more faith or you just need to have faith. As if you can just have faith in faith. You know what I'm saying? Like, like faith in faith. Like faith in itself is, is, is this power that you tap into. And, and faith is not just this power that you tap into. You know, the, the graduation sermon that you probably heard at this, your high school or at your college, you know, the speaker stands up there and tells you that you need to have faith in your future. Faith in your future? What is that? I mean, that sounds like a really deep thought, except that when you start thinking, what? Faith in the future? Hello, hello, hello. What's faith in the future? You know, Oprah tells you to look inside yourself. Look inside yourself and have faith. Look inside myself. I mean, there's probably stuff inside of me. I think Malox would help it. But I'm not sure that there's anything inside of me that that's, that that's worth putting my faith in. Am, am, I, am I making any sense at all? Remember how Jiminy Cricket, Jiminy Cricket would tell Pinocchio just to let his conscience be his guide. You know, look deep inside yourself, and you, you know that kind of Jiminy Cricket theology. That's not what faith is. It's not what faith is at all. Heard people say, you know, they go to Star Wars and all the Star Wars movies. They say, man, you know, Star Wars, that's, that's nearly a Christian movie, Pastor Tim, because the force is like God. No. I saw all the Star Wars movies. No. The force is not like God. The force is kind of like Wi-Fi. I mean, seriously, it's this invisible energy field, you know, that if Luke just, you know, if he'll just use it, you know, if he'll just tap into it, you know, that's not like God. That's not like God at all. I mean, what part of this have you missed? God's not a, a force field. God is not just this universal flow of energy that we tap into, some aura. Well, what are you talking about? If you, have you never read the scriptures? Now, I'm going to put on the screen here the worst sentence I've ever written and the worst sentence I've ever, I've ever put in front of you. But, but I think it's awesome. This is like awesomely bad sentence. You ready? Faith is never not a personal relationship with the walking, talking God of the Bible who weeps, warns, blesses, commands, promises, sees, hears, and touches us. It's a bad sentence, right? 
It's never not. I know you're not supposed to say that kind of thing, but it's true. Faith is never not a personal relationship with a walking, talking God. It's a relationship. It's a friendship. It's never not something else. You understand? It can't be something else. Faith is not just positive thinking. It's not just trying to keep a good outlook. It's none of these things. It is never not a personal relationship with the walking, talking God of the Bible who weeps and warns and blesses. I mean, the force doesn't do these things. God is personal. God has a heart. I mean, you understand? God loves us. His emotion and thoughts and plans and purposes. It's not a force. It's not magic. Certainly not something you're going to sort of carry in your pocket and then summon to, you know, to pop out with power when you think you need a trick done. But isn't that the way a lot of people approach their faith? Faith is just sort of having God in your pocket. You don't really want God. You don't want God at all. You don't want God in your everyday business. You don't want want God up in your finances. You don't want God in your relational life. You know, he would mess that up. According to your plans, you don't want God at school with you. That's embarrassing. You don't want God in your family. That's awkward. You just want God sort of on call for you, sort of like a a rabbit in a hat. And you can wave your hand and he'll pop out when you need help. But when you don't need him, when you don't want him, he'll just disappear once more. I mean, isn't that sort of the way a lot of people think about faith? That they want all of the things that God brings. They just don't want God. They want God's power when they want God's power, but they don't want God up in their stuff. You know, they want Jesus when they die so they can go to heaven, but they sure don't want Jesus down here when they're trying to be cool. Faith is never not a personal relationship with a walking, talking God of the Bible. Am I making any sense? Do you understand why so many people have no idea what faith is? Because they think it's magic. They think it's abstract. They don't understand that it is a relationship with the God who wants to live your life with you as a friend. It's friendship with God. The God who weeps and warns and blesses and commands and promises and sees and hears and touches us. God speaks to us. Simon says, let me have this power too. I want that power so that when I lay my hands on people, I can make the Holy Spirit do that. You know, how you know that his faith isn't real? But because if you still want the same things you wanted before, it's not faith. If it turns out that whatever you consider your faith experience, if you're still the same person, if you still want all the same things that you've ever wanted, no real change, it's not faith. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old things are passed away, new things have come. If it turns out you still want all the same old things... It, it's, not, it's not faith. Notice what Peter says. Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this for your heart is not right 
with God. Well, he don't know his heart. Well, you can't see the man's heart, but you can see everything else about Simon the Magnificent. He still wants to be magnificent. And he wants the Holy Spirit to come and join his show. Peter says the Holy Spirit ain't going to have no part of your show. You see, see, the thing is, it's foolish to want God to work everywhere except in your heart. You want God maybe to work in your finances when you can't come up with the rent money. Then you're really praying, God, I need your money. I, I need money. When somebody gets sick, man, you're praying. You're praying up a storm. I mean, when you need God like that, I mean, you want God sort of working in your problems. And you want God working for your grades. I mean, final exams are, you know, coming around and grades are coming in. You're just praying, God, you know, if you're just giving me an A, an A in statistics, I'll go to Africa. I'll go to Africa. I mean, you know. And then what we do? I want God in my grades. I want God sort of working out some stuff for me, but I don't really want God making any real changes in my heart. If that's your attitude, Peter would say, you can't have any part in this. It doesn't work that way. Faith is friendship. It's relationship with a God who is going to bring his power to bear in every single corner of your life. With every fiber of your being, he's going to make you new. You're not going to be the same person. And if your interest is only in in being, you know, only a, a better, greater version of yourself, you can't have any part in this. So you know what faith is? It's friendship with God. And, and it changes the heart. You can't expect God to just come work for you, but do none of his work where he works best. In, in your heart. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, so many of us, Lord, we, we want all of the things that, that you provide, but we don't truly want you in our everyday lives, Lord, messing things up, commanding us, changing us, calling our desires sinful, Lord. We, we don't want that, Lord. We just want your power in the places where we, we feel like we want your help. In the places where it would enhance us, Lord, we, we invite you to work. But, 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 Lord, Jesus, I pray that you would shatter our hearts today with the knowledge of what true faith is and, and shatter our assumptions, Lord, about who you are and what you've come to do in our lives. God, there are probably people in the sound of my voice who have believed but have not been saved. There are people in the sound of my voice, Lord, who say they have faith, Lord, but their own lives only demonstrate that they are still, Lord, on the pathway to destruction. Lord, there are those in this house who take your name and carry your book, Lord, but they do not have your spirit in their hearts. Teach us, Lord, what faith is. 
and show us, Lord, truly where we have put our faith and in whom we must put our faith. Jesus, you and you alone are the only source of real power and true joy. And in our lives, Lord God, we need real power and true joy. So Jesus, help us to put our faith in you, to walk with you, to listen for your voice, to have you walk beside us with your great heart, changing our hearts so that we can be more and more like you. We pray these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.